biggest lessons I've learned from my dad dying? Um, probably just time in general. Um, that was two years that I could have had with my siblings. That's two years that I could have had with my dad. Time is not to be taken for granted. You never know when the last is going to be. And I don't want to leave anything unsaid. I don't want to leave any I love you not said. It's just time is of the essence of literally. Yep. All right, you're going to start. Welcome back. And then I'm going to take over. Or you want me to just do Let's the whole ahead. thing? Good. Well, let's wait. Wait, 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 wait. I never did that before. <laughs> what am I saying? Welcome back. Yeah, just say welcome back. What do you say every time? What Yo, what's going on, guys? <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> welcome back to uh, Sign Singer Stigma that's Podcast. That's what you're going to do, and then I'm just going to go from there. We're going to go right from here. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get take it over to my mom. Go ahead. Okay, hi, welcome everybody. Uh, it's my turn to do the uh, the announcement here, the introduction here. We have two um, beautiful ladies with us today, Taylor and her mom, Tammy. Um, Taylor was on our podcast last week when we spoke with Erica about um, domestic violence. And afterwards, we had some pretty good conversation. Some of these podcasts are better after the podcast, but we invited Taylor back because we learned some things about her and some of the experiences that she went through um, as a child. Her mom's here to help um, back up some of that story in regards to alcoholism and her father. So I want to welcome the two of you. And if we want to get started, just tell me a little bit about um, yourselves if you want to. And we can take it from there. Okay, so um, my dad, growing up, I went with my dad back and forth. Um, and <laughs> Okay, so let me, let me just interrupt. And, yeah, and they know I'm used to interrupting. So your mom and dad were divorced. At what age were you when they were divorced? Um, we actually separated... Um, when she was about a year and a half and then, um, filed for divorce. Um, like, like, you know, she had said he's, he was an alcoholic and, um, his drinking just got to where for me it was impacting her and her safety. So, um, it was just kind of like a crazy story of why he left, um, he had a problem. He would go out drinking and then he wouldn't go to work in the morning. So he was getting, he was like on his last chance and he was going to be fired. Um, so, um, he had come home after the bar and he's like, I'm going out again. And I said, well, you're going to end up, you know, getting fired because you're not going to go to work tomorrow. And he's like, you know, the F word, I'm leaving you. Okay. So, he went and got ready and, and he was going to leave. And I said, well, before you leave, I want the key to my house. And he's like, what? I said, well, you tell me you're leaving me. You know, you want to get divorced. So, okay. So now I realized that was, you know, his drunkenness talking, but I would never have left because I knew I had to share her then. So <clears throat> that just kind of made it a little easier. So I thought then the hardest part then came in when, I did have to share her. Let me ask you this. Was he a drinker when you were dating? Yeah. Um, 
Take we got him. We Take got him. I was waiting for I'm this to happen. Okay. I was Take like counting down. This, okay. this was part of the reason why I was nervous because they I don't knew worry. this was going to happen. Um, I will share with you because you have not listened to any of our podcasts that we cry. We all cry. Even like me. even Austin. And so it's okay. We can, you know, it's a, it's a touchy situation. And, um, you know, did he drink? Yeah. I mean, we met in a bar. <clears throat> um, Red line time. <laughs> um, <laughs> we both worked third shift, so there was really nothing for me to do because, you know, I, you know, would go home to an empty house, you know. So a bunch of us, I worked at Flinch Balls, he worked at Tate, so a bunch of us would go, and that's how we met. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, in as we were dating, the, you know, and talking about getting married and um, having kids, I was always, you know, saying, you know, well, I do this because I don't have any kids at home, you know, but once I have kids, like I'm, I'm in full mom mode and, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Once we have kids, you know, so I thought we had that conversation. Um, but then, um, well, it, there's another whole long story, but I had three miscarriages before her. So the first one, he was right there. You know, he was heartbroken by it. Second one, um, he was at a at a party getting drunk, and I ended up having him starting to miscarry in a drugstore. I had to call somebody to come get me. Um, by the third one, God only knows where he was, but, you know, it was just like old news, like, yeah, we're not having kids. Um, and then when I got pregnant with Taylor, um, you know, I mean, it, it was always the same. Like, our refrigerator the whole bottom shelf was just always stuffed with alcohol um he would you know everywhere you had to go he had to have it with them um, was it always bush yes <laughs> and you know what the story to that it's it's a crazy story after we got separated or yeah separated um and he tried to file for custody i was taylor had gone to counseling from the time she was two years old the counselor because she couldn't read but the counselor wrote three popular beers down Budweiser. Um, I forget what the other one was and Bush did. She had no idea what kind of beer and said, do you know what kind of beer daddy drinks? And she's like, yeah, that one, because she was his little beer waitress. It would, and she's seen it so much okay. that she knew. Um, so I yeah. never knew that. I don't even know where I was now in my story. <laughs> now that we started, Sorry. but, um, the refrigerator is full of beer. Yes. So when I literally went into labor with her, um, our neighbor had to go in and get him out of the house to get in the car to get me to the hospital. And then when we were ready to come home, my mom had to bring us home because he went out drinking the night, got drunk and never got up to come get us. Wow. Okay. So that was pretty young. So it started way before that. Um, yeah. and then Taylor came into the picture. Well, and even, I mean, from what I've understood from my dad's side of the family, He's always, I mean, not just him, but his family. Um, there are other relatives in my family who are still to this day going down the same path. Um, so it's been something that I think he grew up around and then he just kind of worked his own way into it um, and couldn't get out of it. Okay. That's common. Um, through these podcasts, when we talk to people, a lot of them say, well, 
you know, it, it's in the family. Yeah. Yeah. His and dad was, an that was never going to be my excuse. I, I refuse to, to have any type of involvement and yeah. I mean, not to say I don't drink or, yeah. you know, I I didn't drink, but that's, that would never be, I, I would have never allowed that to be my, my life. It's, it's actually a choice that everybody makes. And it's, yeah. it's an excuse when someone says it's hereditary everybody's done it in my family because you have an example you have you have twins I read this article once that they had twins and the father was an alcoholic and the one twin they lived in the same environment their entire life same age so one didn't have more exposure than the other and basically one chose to drink and the other one chose not to drink so I believe while people think it's hereditary, it really comes down to your choice and your decision. It does. It's definitely a mind game and it's what you allow to take from that. Like I learned from that. I realized I do not want to be that person. I don't want to put my loved ones through that. And that's just, that's how it's always been. That's how it always is. Now being a parent myself, I, I just couldn't imagine, especially my daughter's about to turn three next week. I, that that's like me you know I, I just it blows my mind and well and the hard part like she understands probably more now because she is a mother um when i would take her to her dad she would scream and cry before we'd leave she did not want to go and her papa um i mean this kid had anything she wanted because he was just promising her anything. You tell pop up what you want when you get home, it'll be here because we knew it, it was just a whole different, a whole different environment up there. So pop pop is your father, my stepdad, your stepdad. Okay. Yeah. Um, so when, after, um, after we split up, I was letting her, letting him get her, you know, when we would agree on a night, well, he would always be late. Well, I would always be like, oh my God, oh my God. And I'd be pacing like, what happened? What happened? Is she okay? And, um, when he'd come home with her or he brought her back, you know, I'd say, why can't you just be on time? And, you know, finally we'd get into this argument and then he would say, you know, screw you. One of these days I might not bring her home. Well, that I was terrified. So I had called a lawyer and, you know, he, he suggested that I not let her go with him, um, until we had papers drawn up. So I told him that when he came to get her the next time, well, he was mad, but you know, he left and, um, for three months, never did anything, never tried to see her, nothing. And then all of a sudden I got papers in the mail that he was filing for custody. So we for ended full up custody. Of course. Okay. Yeah. He didn't want to have to pay that support. So, which is extremely laughable. (laughs) So, we ended up going in. We actually didn't go to court. We went into the mediator and um, we couldn't do anything, you know, that way. Um, And how old was I at that time? Well, you were a year and a half. So, you're probably like two. So, it was right after. Yeah. Um, And then. my, I told my lawyer about, you know, him getting high because when we were still living at the house, I went, I went somewhere to the grocery store or something and left her with him. When I came back, I came in and I was like, where are they? So I went out to the garage. Now she was barely walking and our garage, you had to step up and then step down on a, 
cement block and then down and he was in there getting high and she was standing in there and I freaked and he was like, Oh my God, she must've just came in. Okay. Well, number one, why do you let her out there by herself? Like number one, but number two, like she could have never gotten in here without hurting herself. Well, and we didn't have a, an attached garage. No. So like you had to go out of the house to go to the garage. But then once he was able to, to get her, like, um, they were, they, they put on that I could have drug tests and alcohol tests at any time. Um, and he had to pass them or he didn't see her and he was only allowed to see her like certain times. Um, but he used to pick her up from school once she got to school and, um, he would go to the bar after he got off work and then he'd go to pick her up. So I always worried about, you know, is he going to be in a crash? Because I mean, she would come home and tell me stories and I'd be like, Oh my God, like they got pulled over by the police and they had to hide beer behind their backs. I remember that. Wow. It was my brother and I were in the truck. I remember that. Um, she wrote a poem for school and I'm talking like elementary school, like little, Mm. and it said, uh, she had to write a poem about her dad, and it said something about, remember the time you hid me in the trunk? Well, I thought she just needed to rhyme yeah. with the word, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> she goes, no, really, that happened. I'm like, what? They had a hatchback, and he went to stop at the tavern after he picked her up from school. So he's like, okay, well, here, just lay in here. I'll, I'll, get, I'll be back out. Wow. And, and I don't, I'm sure there's stuff that I don't even know that I'm just thankful that she got to this age, be able to be a mother without getting hurt. Like, I'm just. That's terrible. It it was very terrible. I mean, I could sit here all night and just go through all the, you know, but it it was, it was terrible. Yeah. When, when I would, when I would go visit, well, not visit, when I would go to my dad's house, the garage was his, um, his own personal bar like he had his dark bar out there um there was a refrigerator out there that had all the beer and stuff in it he would have friends over every weekend like every probably both days of the weekend just constantly had people in and out and the kids like we weren't allowed to go into the garage without knocking on the door and somebody would come or they would say it was okay to go in um and i i mean when i would so it was like every Every other weekend you went. Yes. Okay. So it wasn't that often, but I don't think I've like ever seen my dad sober when I was visiting. Well, you know, in the summer, I, you'd go every other week. Yes. I do remember that. Um, but yeah, so we weren't allowed to go in the garage. Um, there was a lot of stuff that happened to lead up to me getting myself taken away from my dad. Um when he would drink, my stepmom was the one that would watch out for the kids, you know, because I had siblings at my dad's house and she was the mother of them. Um, and then there was there was me. And a lot of times my cousin would come over because his mom was my dad's sister and she would be out there getting drunk, you know, with my dad. Um, but my dad and my stepmom would get into a lot of arguments Um a lot of like physical fights. Um, I remember one really well. We were supposed to be in bed 
and there's just like a whole lot of shit going on downstairs and I couldn't sleep because I was just like there's so much stuff going on um so I went downstairs and they were arguing and I got told like to go back to bed but I was worried for my stepmom because my dad and her were in an argument and he was like pushing her and they were like playing tug of war with me essentially because he got pissed at her that she was putting me to bed and he was like that's my daughter like don't don't tell her what to do um so then my I had my dad on one side and she was on the other like no she needs to go to bed she needs to stay here and he was trying to pull me out like let me alone like fuck off um so then he eventually like let go of me I was thrown to the side and he like pushed her back so when you walked in my dad's house it was he walked in the front door and there was like a hallway and the steps were to your left um we had german shepherds at the time they had like they were huge so they had like the big raised dog bowls okay so there was like a it was a wooden and it was like really sharp corner and when he pushed her backwards she like stumbled hit the wall and then like fell down and she ended up hitting like her um the middle of her back like on the the sharp corner and it like like knocked the breath out of her and then he grabbed me and we left now this was it was pretty chilly and I was wearing this little pink silk nightgown and like I remember this very vividly um and he just threw me in the truck and we went down the street to his this bar that he used to frequent at and it was just like there are were so many times like no that didn't happen often where he like grabbed me out of the middle of the night that I can remember but so many things that I was just like what is going on and I knew it was wrong and I like stuck up for you know one versus the other like it's okay. just always something going on but um once I I was going back and telling my mom like all the things that were happening while I was there and she was she had this little book that she like wrote everything down which I ended up finding and was like reading through it the one time like oh my god this is crazy <laughs> um but then she had taken that to I'm assuming the lawyer the mediator somebody um and then I remember going in and talking with them and I essentially chose to get myself taken out of that bad situation so what age were you talking to the mediator or I was 10 I was 10 when I got myself taken from him and the only reason I feel like I didn't do that sooner was because of my siblings that were in my dad's house um because I'm the oldest so I was like I was mother head there um my dad would be out drinking and my stepmom would either be working because she worked third shift she watched this old couple which sometimes we would go to work with her because she was like a, a caretaker live in not live in but stay overnight mm-hmm. um so sometimes we would stay there um but other times she would just get home late you know and early leave late get home early so I would be the one to like wake the kids up the next morning because my dad was hungover and my stepmom was sleeping um, did you talk to your siblings about this like how they felt or anything or you just took care of them I just took care of them. Okay. They were too young at the time. Okay. Um, because, I mean, my my one brother is a couple months younger than me. It's my um, stepbrother. And then I have a half-brother who is, like, three years younger than me. Okay. Um, three or four. And then my sister is six and a half. So they were younger. Yeah. Okay. Um, and at that time, I was ten, so... Um, but yeah, so I would play mother hen to them and I just didn't want to leave them in that situation by themselves, you know, with 
now and I was only there every other weekend so I could only you know do so much and when I wasn't there it was just so they were there full time yeah okay um well my two of them were my stepbrother would go with his dad but we were my stepbrother and I were there on the same weekend so okay um their custody our custody schedules lined up so we could see each other um but then once I decided to get myself taken from my dad I was 10 years old and I didn't from what I remember I didn't have contact with this with my siblings well that was mostly your dad because like I've been trying I was trying to get her away ever since she was two and I kept being told there's nothing we can do until something happens trying to explain to them that I, I was terrified that that something happens could have been her hurt because of everything that she was dealing with up there um and then like um she said you know i mean i hired a private detective i i mean i could just list everything that i tried um the counselor at school she had a very good relationship at with the counselor at the elementary school which i feel is between her other counselor and the the school counselor is what got her through her her years um at school because the counselor at school would tell me like she would go there every Monday, like she would go to school from there every Monday and every, every Monday she would go in, she'd go to her classroom, put her stuff away, raise her hand and ask if she can go to the counselor. Now her teachers were aware of the situation, so they would let her go. She would walk in and the counselor would just be sitting and hold out her arms and she'd go over and she would hold her in. She would just cry. She was such a sweet woman. After I had my daughter, she brought me a, a baby gift for my daughter oh. into my work. So she's always... That's someone who truly likes their job yeah. and isn't there just for the job. Yeah. Right. At that point, I haven't, I haven't seen her in, oh my gosh, years. She used to go to my yeah. grandma's yard sales just to support like oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> it so was, cool. it yeah. was so sweet. Yes. So, I mean, um, you know, she... And my she... other counselor, though, was also... Yeah, well, Amazing. yes, yeah. that was one that, that I had taken her to. She was great. You know, just because when she'd come home, she would have such outbursts. And, you know, so I took her so that she'd have somebody to talk to, kind of to help help her have an outlet for that. Um, and then when this happened, um, when she decided that she was ready, um, we had gone to a lawyer and um they we had to go into that whole mediation thing again and when we went in we went in asking that he sign himself into a 30-day care facility and take anger management and he said no i'm not doing that did he admit at this point that he had an alcohol problem he never admitted that Okay. No, it's um, your mom's a bitch. She doesn't want you to have a father. It's all your mom. I, was, I have I no problem drinking. You know. Okay. Yeah, I was brainwashed. Um, That's I. The amount of times that I heard that that they were putting stuff in my head was absolutely ridiculous. That was always the thing. Like they're just putting they're just putting stuff in your head. Okay. And uh, so <clears throat> when we went to the lawyer, we went in mediation. You know, he didn't agree to that. So my lawyer's like, you know what? You got to give me something. Um, you know, she's terrified whenever she is not with, 
you know, not at home, whether she's going to come back okay, you know, maybe, okay, then just agree to be evaluated by a drug and alcohol counselor. So him and his lawyer went out in the hallway, they came back, and the lawyer's like, his lawyer said to mine, okay, if she pays for it, you know, well, since I was paying for it, I got to pick who he went to. Her counselor was in the office of one, and there was a drug and alcohol counselor in the other side. So that's who we took her to. So we went in, and the deal was we went in. He talked to me for just a very few minutes, just kind of get a ballpark of what was going on, took her in. So we were supposed to have one, and then her dad was supposed to go in. So she went in. It was probably like a half hour. He came out, and he's like, I just want you to know I am faxing the the lawyers now. She's not going back there. And I went, what? He's like, well, that's what you want, right? And I just lost it. And I'm like, that's what I've wanted since she was two. You know, and all I kept hearing is nothing we can do until something happens. He's like, well, it's done. She is not going back there until he comes in and gets evaluated. So he's like, I want to, I want to schedule another appointment with her. You don't pay for that. I need that. I'm like, okay. So we, I took her back in for another hour session because he was trying to get all this information. Mm -hmm. Well, her dad wouldn't go. So he had so long to do it. Well, he went like the very last day. He thought he would just go in and be like, her mom's a bitch, doesn't want, you know, doesn't want to give her up for any time. Um, and they told him that to see her, he had to go to um, anger management. He had to go to AA and he could see her um, supervised visits. Well, he said no. Now he was still allowed to call her, but whenever he would call her, the only thing would be your mom's a bitch. It's your mom's fault. I can't see you. You know, what's your mom doing? You know, and then he'd want to talk to me. And then, well, and I couldn't do anything else. I had to, I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone. Like, I had a sister at my mom's house as well, and I wasn't allowed to talk to anyone. I wasn't allowed to be distracted in any type of way. Like, I had to just sit there and talk about nothing. I mean, honestly, I could have just probably sat there in silence, and he would have been, as long as I wasn't talking to anyone else around me or doing anything, it was that was that was his His time. time. Yeah. Um, but during like during some of this time, he, um, had to have emergency surgery, um, because of his drinking. Um, the doctor told him that he needed to stop drinking or he'd be dead by the time he was 40. Um, he had two emergency surgeries because of one was like right after new year's. Um, so yeah, then, so I remember, um, this was, I don't know when the first, the first time was that, cause he was hospitalized before and we, <clears throat> we got a call that he was like in the hospital and I was like, oh my God, like he's going to die. Like what, you know, and I mean, I had no idea what death even was at that time. Like I didn't have anyone close to me die, you know, up until my dad, honestly. Um, so the whole time through my childhood, I was just honestly waiting for something to happen. 
I, I didn't necessarily know what or think it was, you know, going to be that, but it was either going to be an accident. It was going to be an overdose. It was going to be like something was going to happen. And I might've been involved in that. You know, I was never sure. All I knew is I didn't want my siblings to, to be there when it happened. Um, if anyone was going to experience it, it needed to be me. And that was the biggest problem for me when I did get myself taken is now who's going to like look out for them? You know, it's, it's just me. But we got the first call that he was in the hospital and I was like freaking out. I was all worried about it. Um, and he was fine. He got that surgery. He was fine. And then I think we got that other call, the second one. How long mm-hmm. after the first call? See, I don't. Yeah, is it years it. or? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, then... it was. It was from the time she was taken at ten. He had, we had gotten the last call two yeah. weeks before she turned twelve. Okay. And um, that was the one that they were like, you know, he's in the hospital again. He was throwing up blood. Um, they found him. He was like. He was blue. The last time? Yeah. Yeah. So the last time we were at, we went, we were at church. She was at Bible school. I got a call from, um, her stepmom, but they were split up. They were split up at the time. Um, so she called and said, Hey, I just got a call. Scott's in the hospital. Um, Scott's my dad. (laughs) sorry and um it's not good and I'm like oh my gosh you know what happened well they were out the night before him and his new girlfriend um they were out the night before and they were partying and um he started into more than just alcohol at that point when I was married to him he only got high marijuana um, a parent, and I think with the stepmom, same thing. But then, as he and got, I never saw any of that. Okay. That I, that I like remember. Um, it was just always, always, always alcohol. Okay. So then, as he got to this girl, and he wasn't really seeing his kids much, her at all. Um, he started because you know they got into other things. Okay. Um, so they were out, and the only. I don't know exactly, you know, what happened. The only thing I know is they had said that they were in bed and somebody knocked on the door and she looked out the window and saw that it was one of his friends. So she tried to get him awake and she was like, oh my God, he was cold. Now there was a fan blowing, but it was June. So she's like freaking out. She got up and opened the door. The friend was there and it just seemed to take a while before they called 911. Um, and then probably they, get rid of, getting rid of shit. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then they called nine one one, and until they got him in, um, they weren't sure if he was cold because of the fan or if he had been down that long. So they put him on life support and it was, are you going to take her in or you, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to do. Like I have so long. So she said, well, they're going to test him to see if he's brain dead, you know, I was like, okay. So, um, she was still at church and then I got the call that said he is brain dead. They're going to, you know, take him off. So I was like, okay. So I picked her up and I try and explain to her, you know, it's like, 
which I, before, it's, it's... before you get there, I remember she told me that, you know, hey, she started by like, your dad's in the hospital again. Um, you know, it's not looking good. I'm just like, it's fine. You know, like how many times is going to happen? Yep. You know, like I wasn't worried about it. I was just like, all right, well, thanks for telling me, you know. Go ahead. And, you know, I said, no, honey, this time it's going to be the last time. I said, you know, we, I just got the call that your dad's brain dead. I said, and this is totally up to you. If you want to go see him, if you don't, it's, it's up to you. And, um, you know, try and explain to an 11 year old that, um, what brain dead was, you know, she thought he was going to sit up and talk to her, to her. And I was like, no, I said, so if you want to go, you know, let me know. And she's like, I do. And I'm like, okay. I said, let me just tell you, this is it. Like, this is your time to go in there. And if you need me in the room with you, that's fine. If you do not want me in the room with you, that's fine. I don't care whose feelings you hurt at this point. You need to say what you need to say to your dad and get that off your chest. It, it doesn't matter. You don't worry about anybody around you. And that was my, the hardest thing for me was at this point, I didn't see my dad for almost two whole years. And which is also why, like, for a long time, like, I held myself responsible for his whole spiral, like, out of control. Um, because I felt that if I, if I wouldn't have got myself taken away, maybe he would have realized, like, wow, my kids are awesome. Like, let's, let's get better for them. And it just... I don't think it ever would have, like, now, you know, looking back, I don't think it ever would have gotten to that point. Um, but I think in the back of my mind, I had always hoped that it would have gotten that far. Especially, That's a big burden to carry. It is. And, I mean, I was 11, and I was still like, this is me. This was my fault. Like, I did this. Going to um, the group house that I went to, because um, I went to counseling for a while. Like, all my life I was in counseling whether it was always for something. Um, but I remember telling myself, like, I needed, like, I owed this to myself to go in and tell him how I felt, whether he could hear me or not, um, whether he could respond to me or not, which obviously I still didn't fully grasp that mm -hmm. whole concept. Um, now, did you need to talk to him because you were angry or you needed to talk to him because you... I was you pissed. Okay. I was pissed. I was hurt I didn't understand um I had which I had so many questions that I didn't realize that he wouldn't be able to answer you know but my biggest thing was just why like I, I just wanted to understand and that's still to this day like I still wish I understood and I mean I'm lucky enough to not have a problem with anything you know I don't have I mean I shouldn't say a problem with anything I don't have a substance abuse problem. I don't have a dependency on, you know, any type of anything. Um, so I just don't, I don't understand how that was just such an easy choice, um, which I'm learning now through the podcast, you know, like it's, it's so much more than just that. Mm -hmm. um, and I fully believed my dad was sick. Um, that's why I, and my mom will be the first to tell you, like, I put him on such a high pedestal. Like, he was, he, it, it wasn't his fault. Like, he was sick. But then it turned a point where it was like, all right, 
he fucked up. It wasn't me. Mm-hmm. You know, I finally did get to that point. Um, it's hard to get to that point. It was really hard. And I mean, I was probably, I don't know, this is probably like 10 years later and I feel like I got to that point. Like it was just, it took me a very long time. And um, Is there an aha moment where you realize this is not my fault or was it just gradual through therapy that you realized it i don't know i think it was just kind of like a gradual thing and a maturity thing okay um an understanding of life in general and you know i i smoked cigarettes for a hot minute and i mean i was i was more of a social smoker than i was i never needed to go out and smoke or anything um but i mean even that was just kind of like a it helped me understand a little bit of what my dad might have you know felt at some point um well and i think too one of the things with with her dad is he never took responsibility for himself for anything he did um whether it was you know getting fired from work whether it was um it 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 didn't it didn't matter it was always you know something why she's not there it was my fault you know um it, it was never like he he was never strong enough to take responsibility for anything. Um, and the, the last, the last phone call she had with him before this happened, um, because like I said, he was allowed to call her and he would call and it was the same thing over and over. Your mom's a bitch, your mom's a bitch. Well, finally, because she knew she didn't have to go back there, she would never talk back to her dad because she was terrified of him. But because she knew she didn't have to go back there, she said, no, you know what, dad, it's not mom's fault. It's your fault. You're an alcoholic and you need help. And he's like, no, not going to happen. She's like, but dad, all you have to do is get help and you can see me. He said, nope. He said, I guess I'll see you when you're 18. And she said, maybe, maybe it'll be too late by then. And she hung up the phone. And normally that was his thing. He would always hang up and then he'd call back, hang up, call back. Well, she hung up. And he never called back. She never called back. For the Christmas after that, he was already with this girl. Um, she got a Christmas card. Fucking Walmart gift card that I was pissed that I even got. Because I was like, I don't want anything yeah, from you at she this wanted, point. She wanted to send it back. And I said, you know what? We'll just, we'll just lay it here for a little bit. I bought a DVD know. player. <laughs> and I said, I that well, and I said to her, I said, you know, I'm fine with whatever you want to do with it. If you want to send it back, that's fine. I said, but you know, if all the, all the stuff that you've been through, if this is all you get from your dad, go for it. You know what I mean? I mean, it was like, I think a hundred dollars. You got a DVD player and I think you got something else. Well, maybe it was 50. It had princesses on it. But um, (laughs) she remembers it. I do. But, um, I think the hardest part, like we had gone into the hospital and he was all hooked up. I, I'll never, I'll never forget. I'll never forget all that. of that. That was, yeah. I still to this day won't go in Memorial Hospital. Um, it's difficult. It is. And York Hospital, she don't really go in either unless she has to. <laughs> yeah. Um, although that one has positive now. Like I had Scarlet yeah. there. So, <laughs> um, but I remember... When we went in to see him, you know, mom had already told me, like, no, this is it, you know. And um, I was just, I was 
scared. I was excited in a weird way. Um, I was ready to see him again. It's, it's two years. Um, so we went back and all of my family and I think a couple of his friends, <laughs> which they're like five-star people, um, they were outside of the room too. And I just didn't know what to expect. I, I didn't think that there was going to be that many people there. And I just instantly started getting overwhelmed. And I mean, I've always had anxiety issues. And I was just like, oh shit, like this, it, it became real then. Like I was like, okay, this is, this is happening. This is okay. And then I, I didn't want to go in yet. Um, so I was just kind of mentally prepping myself for what might be happening in there. Um, and then I think it was my stepmom that came and said, okay, like you can go in whenever you're ready, just so you know, he doesn't look like your dad. Um, he's gonna be cold. He's a different color, um, but it's him. Don't be scared. Talk to him, he's listening. You do whatever you need to do, you know, and she kind of reiterated, you know, what my mom said. So I, I was finally like, okay, I got this. Um, so I went in and my siblings were in there and my cousin, and I think my dad's girlfriend at the time's son, which that always pissed me off because to me, he had no reason, he had no right to be in that room. Um, so then I, as soon as I walked in, it was just like, it was like, I just saw him yesterday. Nothing changed. Um, he was, he was chunkier than I remembered. <laughs> and I remember like walking in like, whoa. Um, but I walked in and they asked if I wanted time. And I said, yes. So I was in there and I was just like, the hell? I mean, that's 11, so obviously not like that. But <laughs> I didn't swear until I was older. But um, <clears throat> I was just, whatever came out just came out. Like I, It wasn't even about him or that. It was just, I was just spilling everything. Like, I was just talking. And um, eventually uh, they asked if, you know, that was good and everyone could come in. Um, my siblings were <clears throat> crying and everything, but they I, I, they didn't understand, you know, mm -hmm. what was happening. And I mean, I was 11, they were younger than that. And they really had, you know, no clue, um, just what they were getting told. And then they came in, they're like, all right, well, is everyone, everyone here that needs to be And They were like, yeah. So like, all right, well, we're gonna turn, you know, the ventilator off. And that's when I was like, damn, like, this is the last, this is it. And, um, that's when I really started crying and I was, I was holding my dad's right hand and I noticed that he got a new tattoo on his arm and um, I was just staring at that the whole time. I was, it was, so my dad loved wolves. I don't know why, I don't know where that came from, <laughs> but um, he had probably four to six wolf tattoos and they were all black and white. And this one tattoo that he got was of this like pinup woman. And it was horrible. It was hideous. 
and that was the only one that was in full color and I don't know why but looking at that just pissed me off with his like new girlfriend because it just looked like her and it was just like I knew that that was part of the reason why we were here right now and I'll never forget that tattoo um so I was holding his right hand just staring at this tattoo as they turned it off and you just hear the the flat line and I just I couldn't move like I was just stuck I had his hand and I was just holding on until he started like like cold and stiff and it was they had to come in like we need to go like it's time Mm -hmm. and I just ran out I just I just booked it like I just went and I just needed time for me. And I mean, to this day, I could tell you exactly how the hospital room was set up. I could tell you exactly what he looked like, exactly what position he was laying in. I could tell you where people were around the room. Like, it's just, I think that was, I've always been a person that I need, I need closure look for myself. Mm-hmm. And that was what helped me kind of understand that that was it you know that was it's over my dad's dead period end of story um after after that at my dad's funeral um it was a it was a shit show which I wouldn't have expected anything less knowing what I know now um I knew that my dad had some, like, bad, rowdy friends, but hearing some of the stories was not um, what grieving children needed to hear. I didn't need to hear all that stuff about my dad. I mean, they were talking about my dad, like, doing stuff in a parking lot. Yeah. At a Denny's. It was more of... It was like a fucking comedy show. It was more like happy hour at the comedy show. Wow. And the one lady was, had the mic and was walking back and forth, literally like comedians do. And she was trying to be funny. And I sat there and was like, oh my God, like here's his kids. There's his mom. But I mean, they were laughing right along with her. No, not the kids, but... I was like, oh my god, it, I I just can't can't imagine. Like, I just went to like hold her ears. It was and... horrible. And then, um, what really got like everyone was my brother. He was so he was probably eight, yeah. seven, eight at the time, and he had no clue. I mean, he knew what happened, but he just walked up and. He's the only one of us, I think, that went up. And he's always had, like, this very, like, out there, you Mm -hmm. know, like, attitude and personality. So, like, it doesn't really, like, shock me now. But he just went up and he said, everyone loved my dad. And I loved him, too. And that was it. And he came down and we were all like, oh, my God, like, this is a, this is a child, like, Mm -hmm. an itty-bitty child. That just said, like, the most innocent thing he could have ever said at his dad's funeral. And that was just... 
That was the real. And hearing from from children, because like I said, I was always mother hen. I was, I mean, those kids were my kids. I, before I had my own kid, you know, they were my kids. Now, wow. Because I lived in a different household, I didn't see them as often as um, I would have liked to, and they would have liked to see me. Um, I've just recently gotten closer with my sister, um, and she now has a baby, and, you know, we talk about about dad, you know, he would be a grandpa now to two kids, um, and I think having him pass while they were so young they never really um understood like a whole a whole bunch of it all the stuff that happened and everything so I've always tried to tell them to not get involved and you know all the stuff that could lead them you know Mm -hmm. down the same the same path but so let me ask you this, through all this, your anger issues and things like that, at this point when you're talking to your siblings, is it all positive? Are now, you re- I mean, when you were back then explaining to them not to get involved in this stuff, were you giving negative or positive feedback on who your dad was? Like, did you ever say dad was great or did you say dad was mean or... They, they knew. Um, so they... They never really understood why I wasn't around. Um, they knew that I had a different mom, um, and they knew that I, you know, went to my mom's house. But they got mad at me for not being there. Okay. Um, so I, I didn't really say anything about my dad specifically because it was their dad, and I, I can't, you know, they had a different relationship mm-hmm. with him. I'm sure, you know, but it wasn't always great. Um, I remember my dad went, my dad was a big, like, wrestling fan, um, and he would always encourage us to, like, wrestle each other, um, and I have, my brother, that's a couple months younger than me, we would always go at it, and then my younger ones would go at it, um, and it would, it would get a little crazy, um, but one time he got mad at my brother, the not the one that's closest in age to me. And he went to kick him. He was hiding under the table. He went to kick him, and he kicked the, the like, table leg, and he broke his foot or ankle or something. He broke something. So, like, they knew that things were happening, and, okay. you know, it wasn't a great experience all the time. Um, but they definitely saw more sides of him than I did because I was there the weekends. and Okay. Um, I remember when I was there, like the weeks he would have to hide in the garage and drink when he knew he wasn't supposed to, you know, so he would try to put on this different act for me because he knew that I was going to go back and tell my mom things. So I was always the tattletale and I was, you know, sometimes I feel like I was just as bad of a person as, you know, mom was in his eyes, you know, because Mm -hmm. I was just going back and talking shit, putting him under the bus. So for the most part, I I didn't really have to tell them anything. Um, They knew without fully knowing everything. Um, They just didn't understand. And even now, uh, my brother will, when he gets mad at me, he still kind of throws in, well, you were never there. So you have that guilt. Yeah. 
you're right I wasn't but I tried to be you know as much as I could and I mean I didn't I didn't drive so it's not like I could just go over and you know hang out when I wanted to and I tried explaining to them that there was more to it than they you know they knew so I tried to do what I could with it and kind of let it go yeah um one of the things too like when she was going there like his her stepmom and I were were friends you know which made it a little bit easier because I knew like I could at least be there sometimes you know while she was there and you know because if there would be like a like a holiday and they'd have a cookout then they'd invite me because she would you know which was always so weird for me (laughs) he wasn't thrilled by it but I didn't care because then that I had a better eye on her you know while she was up there although he was he's not supposed to drink or get high while she was there so you know that was out of the but the hardest part after that happened, um, like after he had passed then, um, because at the funeral, like she said, you know, the comedy club, but then after, um, they had, you know, like they have food and stuff Mm -hmm. and we were in there and, um, then, um, even, even like she's sitting right beside me, her brothers and sisters are sitting right beside her stepmom. And the same lady came over and made a comment about one of the things she was talking about of what they were doing in the parking lot. And, you know, it's like, come on, like, number one, you don't even know me. You don't even know who I am. So just don't, and, t- by, and you by know, doing this something, is their kids. Just a like by doing something, it was like having sex in the Denny's parking lot. And this is what she was telling everyone at the funeral. Wow. And that, you know, she comes over and just plops down like, ha, well, that was a good one, huh? Well, she had made, no, she had made the comment. Now, you know, her stepmom and I are sitting right there and she came over and she's like, so how long do you think it really took him, you know, out there? Well, I was just ignoring her, but her stepmom is a little not, more vocal than my yeah, mother. <laughs> not quite as, and she just said, well, speaking to his wife and his ex-girlfriend we could tell you not very long (laughs) and she went and she didn't know what to do so somebody just like grabbed her and like pulled her away from us you know but then after that whole debacle then you go out in the parking lot you know and you're trying to talk to some people and stuff and then you see all of his friends over here and they're just drinking and having a good old time now some of them I knew from when we were together and the one came over and said, you know, hey, do you, do you want, and I'm like, seriously, you're seriously going to come over here where her, his kids are, the thing that took him from them. And you're going to ask if we want, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, we always said when we were kids that, you know, we were going to be partying and I'm like, come on, you're adults now. Like I see that when you're, you're teenagers, but you're, you're all adults. You have kids act like one, you know? And there was people getting drunk, and I said, I, I was like, we need to go. Like, I, I was finally had her away mm-hmm. from that now, and I wasn't going to stay any longer than I had to. Absolutely. So through the years, um, obviously it's been a while now, do you think about that? Do you have regret? I mean, you said it took you a long time to get over that it wasn't your fault. 
you understand now that it's a disease. I mean, we've learned all this on the podcast. Um, for those that listen to our podcast every week, it's difficult to forgive. But listening and learning about this addiction, because I was angry. I thought it was my fault when I lost my son. And so I do this today because I needed to understand that it's their choice and it was nothing that I did. And so I'm more at peace. Right. So are you at peace understanding a little bit more that it was a disease and that wasn't truly your dad? Like, can you look at it that way or do you still have that anger? Like, yes, it was a choice, but he hurt me. As much as I hate to admit it, I still am a little like, he had the choice, but he chose this over his children. Okay. And I don't think, I think being a mom, I'll never be able to not think that way. Um, I try to be a selfless person and I try to see things from all angles. Um, but this is just, I don't know. And it, it's tricky because I do, I do fully 100% think that he was sick. And I do believe that he did not have a choice. He had the choice to start drinking and to continue drinking. He had the choice to stop, but he didn't have the the willpower. He didn't have the the strength, you know, to, to mm-hmm. do it. And I feel like he may have genuinely wanted to in his heart, which sounds really corny to say. No, it doesn't. But, but I don't I don't think he could have ever if if losing your oldest daughter wasn't enough, if going to the doctor and him being like, hey, you're going to die by 40 if you don't get your shit together, that didn't help. You know, he knew he had three children and a fourth one, you know, my stepmom's son. And that, that still wasn't, you know, it still wasn't able to work out for him to, to stop. I don't think that he, that it ever would have. And, and that's where I go with this, with the stigma of addiction and things like that, because what you're saying is so true. And you take um, Dominic's story, you take Tio's story. Um, Jackie was here and shared, like, these people get Narcan for a drug overdose, and they literally will, an hour later, do it again. Yeah. And it just, it's so powerful what the brain, how it functions. And, and, I mean, alcoholism is probably, I think it's number one. I think that's what Allie said, the therapist. I think the therapist, um, Allie, was telling us it's like the number one cause of death, even over a drug, a drug overdose. I, I've, I mean, people laugh, and he laughs and picks on me, says I'm addicted to cake. And, and, I, <laughs> and I do have food addiction, so I know um, how strong of an addiction, how it can be. I mean, I still do it every day. There's days where I'm like, I cannot, I'm not going to eat that. I'm not going to eat that. And half an hour later, I'm eating it. Now, luckily, my choice of addiction isn't going to kill me. It could. I'm diabetic, but it's not as dangerous. And And so it's hard for me. And and as you're explaining that to me and I'm listening to you, like his kids weren't enough. And I just can't even imagine, like even when Dom and Tio and Jackie share those stories and Dan, like I can't even imagine where their minds are that nothing else is important and can they change it absolutely we have stories of people that came here that are clean 
struggling with the recovery, but still doing it. So I think the hardest part for, for me was he never tried. He would never even try never once through, you know, I mean, even before we separated, I mean, we had issues like we'd make plans to go somewhere. A friend would pull in and be like, Oh, sorry, we can't go. Mm-hmm. You know, we were supposed to take her to the little carnival. Well, well, we can't go. Tell them to go, tell them to call first. Next time it was always friends, fun, and then family. It was not family first. Yeah. I um, think a big part with alcohol too is a, a lot of people like with myself included, you know, like I can go have a drink. I can go sit there and casually, you know, drink. But I feel like they, it, it starts where, you know, they're just having a drink and then one drink turns into two drinks and that turns into six drinks and then that turns into 14. And it's just a, an ongoing thing that they don't see it as a problem necessarily at first. But don't you think society accepts alcohol and drinking? That's what I was going to so say. So the stigma yeah. of someone drinking, like every, everybody says everybody does it, it whether it's occasional, yeah. it's every day, everybody drinks. It's not, the stigma of drinking is not as pre- as relevant as a drug addiction. Yeah, like that's... those people are stigmatized a lot more because it's illegal. They're, they're, they're people under a bridge. Like yeah, they're, they're worthless. They're, they're worthless. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we can all make excuses for an alcoholic for a certain yeah. amount of time because if we don't allow them to drink, now we're saying we have a problem and we right. don't not everybody has a drinking problem like you said you can drink two or three times a month and you don't have a drinking problem but you're not going to turn around and say that person has a drinking problem because they're going to say well i was out with you and you got drunk right. now all of a sudden you have that problem as well right. i mean is that fair to say yeah. i think to your point your your mm-hmm. husband chose his friends and he chose that alcohol mm-hmm. And it was acceptable in his mind because right. everybody does that. Right. Like that's what people do. And you know, when you were talking about her anger, does she have anger to that? I have anger to that, to him still to this day. Okay. Because of what he put her through and what he missed out on, you know, it like pisses me off so much that he doesn't know her. He doesn't know his granddaughter, you know, because had he been, and even if he at least tried, even if he at least tried to do something to be the dad that she always wanted. And I know for me, it was hard when this did happen because she put him up on this pedestal. And I mean, I think she'll back up when I say, I never said anything bad about her dad. I never talked shit to her about him because that was my fault. That was not hers. And, um, when this happened and he passed and she put him on this pedestal so many times, I just bite the inside of my lip when she would be talking, you know? And, um, I always knew that I always felt that it wasn't really her dad that she was putting on that pedestal. It was, you know, that hope that he would become the dad she wanted and mm-hmm. never did, mm-hmm. you know, the stuff she was going to miss out on. But after he had passed, when she was 15, she wanted to get a tattoo. And I said, okay. Then I found out that she wanted his initials tattooed on her. And I said, no, you'll wait till you're old enough. Like I told her I would sign for her to get a tattoo, but I said, no, you'll have to wait for that one. I said to me, he wasn't a father enough to deserve to have his initials on you. 
And so she did end up getting something else. And, um, and now I think later she told me, you know, that she's glad that I said no, that she did, you know, I didn't let her do that. But that was the hardest part for me. After, after he passed, I, I didn't really know, um, what grief was and everyone copes differently. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone handles grief differently. And I, because of going to counseling my whole life, I literally learned my whole life. Um, I wanted to go to some type of place like for children and just to, for me to meet people and talk to people and help me understand what I was going through, you know, and it was normal. It was a thing that it, I'm, I'm not alone. I didn't have any friends who lost a parent. I didn't mm-hmm. have any friends that I knew of at the time who had any type of addiction in their family, you know, that impacted them. So we went to Olivia's house in York and that was like, that was amazing. Like I would recommend that to damn near anyone. Like it was great. Um, it really helped me. The people that I met, the people who, the teach not teachers, but the, the people Counselors. who helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they were great, you know, always did different activities and made coping and dealing with grief fun and helped understand in the best way that a child could understand. Um, I've heard uh, great things about them. I've met some of the people great. at a, I'll tell you a what, fundraiser organization. Thing. Any child that loses, it could be a, a grandparent, a parent. They even have... Aunts. There was, I think yeah. there was someone there who lost an aunt. But they even have, like, if you lose, lose a pet. I mean, it's obviously different things that you do. But I tell you what, it's, it's an amazing... I mean, even after she went through the program, we were invited back a few times so that we could talk to you know, other, like she Mm -hmm. would talk to the other kids and stuff about, you know, what she went through and, and stuff like that. It's an awesome, awesome place. It was. And that, that really helped me, um, kind of deal with it and understand more and come to terms with it. The addiction side of it, not as much. That was just mainly coping, Mm -hmm. you know, grieving. Um, but that also helped me realize that everyone grieves so differently. Like you could grieve for, you know, a couple months. You can grieve for a couple years. You can you can grieve the rest of your life if you, you know, let yourself, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but that was the best thing for me that I probably could have done at that time in my life in that age. I feel like I've, I've always been more mature for my age, um, mainly because... I think you were forced to do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already kind of ahead mentally with getting over the fact like okay well this is my life now like this is fine my mom's always been there from day one you know I've always had my own support system I won't say that like I didn't you know need that Mm -hmm. you know my dad or anything because it would have been great to have um a whole nother you know side of the family that I could have been a lot more close to but I mean I feel like everything went you know, okay. And they helped me realize that like everything's fine. And that was a a really good program to be a part of. And do you believe you are who you are today because of what happened? Absolutely. And what you went through. I mean, as a mother, you're going to be a different mother because of your experience. All of us experienced tragedy and we've learned that depending on how you accept it will affect you for the rest of your life. Yeah. 
and it makes you that better person. You can make, you can be that person that's constantly negative and why did this happen to me? And this is terrible and I'm never going to get over it. And all this is happening. Everything that happens in my life is because that happened or you're going to take it and you're going to learn from it. And, and Austin and I are true believers of taking this experience that we went through and this podcast. I mean, you talk about grieving. It took us years. It took me three years before I even wanted to talk about it. And, And then I went to the AA meetings and things like that. And then now that we do this, like, me and Austin often talk like we're not famous. We don't have thousands of followers. I just said to him the other day, we got to get some marketing done. We went from like 200 people down to 50. And it's like, you know, we got to get somebody on here. That's going to make us famous again. But I don't think we need that though. We don't. And that's not our goal here, but just meeting you, uh, Taylor, like we, we had a connection in our last podcast after the podcast, like, and you said, I don't miss any of them. The fact that you're here today and you're sharing your story is going to help somebody, somebody who's lost their family member, a father, mother, whatever, who lives with that tragedy, who doesn't know where to put it in their brain. Like, is this my fault? And we all go through that when we lose someone. I mean, you're, you're saying you were here to support your daughter and you were angry with him for what he did to her. But I'm sitting here thinking, but what did he do to you? Like you're putting your daughter first, but honestly, Tammy, what did he do to you? Like he was a part of your life. It hurt you to watch. And so while you were protecting her, who was there to say to you, you didn't do this. Like you're not the reason your daughter went through this. He made that choice and you're still a great mom and you did what you could. And I know you're getting upset now, but I, I feel like I need to tell you, like, I appreciate that you were there for her, but you were a good person too. And I'm sure it hurt you just as much as it did, as it did her. Yeah. Um, it, it was hard watching, you know, watching her go through it. I never really, I never really looked at it like what I was feeling. I mean, I can tell you stories of, you know, all kinds of stuff that happened and but it's always been about her so but it's not your fault i mean he made the choice but if, i chose him as but her if you father didn't. but <laughs> you, I mean, yes on, i, I mean here. look at the positive <laughs> like you chose him to be her father right but look look where she I, is like you have I a think grandchild it's crazy and, how life works out i was just thinking the other day we don't have a choice to be born think about it we don't say we don't have the right to say, "Hey, I'm going to be born today." Yeah. Right? right. So there's a reason why we were born. There's a reason why we go through the struggles we do in life. I fully believe, wholeheartedly, 100%, that everything happens for a reason, and that's that's another thing that coming to terms with, you know, my dad and everything that led up to it, all the shit that I went through, being there, learning from it, you know, just literally from day one until even after he died that happened to me for a reason you know i i could handle it i feel like i feel like not to toot my own horn but i feel like i handled it pretty well Mm -hmm. you know i i could have spiraled i could have you know decided oh well my dad's an alcoholic so let's let's go let's you know let's challenge that let's see but it's just never it's it's helped me get to where i am now mentally emotionally and that's saying used like, to drive me crazy. I ask also when people so said po- to that's me, "That's so yeah. powerful that she realizes yeah. that." 
I know. Because a lot of people it, don't. A lot of people they don't. Allow, but are they allowed to destroy them? When he would say, when people would say to me, well, this happened for a reason. What freaking reason? And it is hard. Did they take my son from me? Like, yeah. I can't think of any reason why that had to happen. Right. That had to happen because he's not suffering anymore. And I'm sitting at a table with, with people and meeting tons of people that we're learning together and we're sharing. So that, okay, so that was the reason. Now I found my purpose. You found your purpose and we're sharing these stories today. And we're going to think about this. She's going to go home. Tammy's going to go home tonight and think about, oh, you know. <laughs> you know, the thing that's interesting, I, I just talked about birth, but death is also another thing that interests me is we, a lot of times, like you said, we don't know how to handle it. We're just, it just comes up in our life and we have to go through it. But also, now that I've been through the stuff I've been through, you have to understand death is going to happen at any given moment to anybody in this world. Yep. You have to be okay with the people around you. So, yeah, death is a difficult thing to deal with, but as long as you understand it's going to happen, I think it's it's better. Like, I think it's better to understand that. I agree. There's a lot less pressure. Having, having my dad die, my, my pop-pop was my right hand man like yeah. he was my dad you know my step in my you know my <laughs> my uh second dad um but i mean he loved me unconditionally he would do anything at the drop of a hat and when we found out that he had cancer i was already ready like i was like okay this is what's gonna happen i'm already ready for it you know it's gonna suck i remember exactly how this felt but I'm going to be all right. You know, this happened once. I'm fine. Let's get ready for round two. You know, yeah. as, as terrible as it sounds, I was, I was just, mm -hmm. I was ready. Um, when he did die, I was, I wasn't okay, but I was okay. I was glad, you know, he had cancer. So obviously it was painful. Yeah. It was better, you know, for him to be gone anyway. But I think his, my dad's death started to help me realize in general that like you can't be upset by things you just gotta yeah. you gotta take those punches you gotta roll with it and you gotta just turn the best out of it and make it i had other people around me that i had to worry about i had my sisters and my or my my siblings when my dad died i had my grandma when my pop-pop died i had my sister when my pop-pop died i had my mom when my pop-pop died like i needed to worry about them before i worried about myself and that's pretty much how it's always been for me i constantly worry about everyone else around me I'll get to myself later. I'll handle myself later. But everyone else needed to be good. And I was ready for my pop-pop dealing with that one. So it's just coming to terms with it and knowing it's going to happen yep. definitely makes it a lot easier to be like, all right, well, we got past that little bump in the road. Like, yep. let's wait for the next one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. never easy, but just understanding it. I, I often say... I'm okay with death. If something happens to me, like I have so many loved ones on the other side that I'm going to be able to be with. And I always make sure that, and I've learned this because Kyle passed so suddenly that don't leave things left unsaid. Yeah. I mean, even in your dad's instant, you didn't know that that was going to happen that day. Yep. And so I always say, don't leave feelings unsaid. Even if people think you're nuts, sometimes I'll text somebody <laughs> and I'll think, oh my gosh, they probably think, where is she coming from? But I just know in my heart that in the end, if something happens to them tomorrow, I'm okay. Right. See, I feel like that might be where I picked up my very um, 
my, my very open and honest personality. Okay. You ask me a question, I'm going to tell you the answer, whether you want to hear it or not. That's Don't ask for my opinion if you don't want it. <laughs> Sometimes you don't even have to ask, though. <laughs> um, she gives it freely. Yeah, my mom my mom and sister don't like it too much, but well, that's just, that's just me. Um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with this. Taylor, I got a question for yeah. you. You said that you learned a lot of lessons from your your father's uh passing what was one of the biggest ones that you one of the biggest say? lessons i've learned from my dad dying yeah through everything you went through um probably just time in general um that was two years that i could have had with my siblings that's two years that i could have had with my dad time is not to be taken for granted and i think that is my biggest thing with my daughter now someday which like not to get dark and like, but someday, someday Scarlett won't have a great grandma or a Gigi. So I like, if mom says, Hey, can I have Scarlett for tonight? Absolutely. Because she wants, I want her to have that time, yeah. you know, with anyone just like I want to be, you know, if I want to spend time with someone, you never know when the last is going to be. Yep. And I don't want to leave anything unsaid. I don't want to leave any, I love you not said. It's just time is of the essence literally. Can't get it back. Yep. This has been a emotional podcast. I, yeah. I have to say this is the most emotional podcast. I'm over here like looking down. <laughs> I saw you. I am back tears. Like I figured I was gonna be good. I'm. I mean, I'm. It's been so long. This is um, real, though. This is. It is. It's real. It is, and it's. There's a lot of things that, even on this, like I haven't shared or haven't talked about, and just because there's so much there um, is so there much. is so much that could be said and so many avenues we could go down with it and i i think i've come to terms with everything a long time ago um i've accepted all of this a long time ago and i think now if anything it's just a little harder now that i have scarlet um to think about where I am as a parent, you know, I could never give up my child for something so, to me, so silly, so unimportant. Um, I could never give up the time that I have, you know, with Scarlett. I, I just, I don't know. It's, that's why I, if, if you want to get into the medium thing where we can say yeah, so this. we're, we're going to segue into uh, <laughs> another podcast. She's going to be back <laughs> because, um, yeah, we'll just give you a little heads up. We talked about the medium uh, last time that she was here after the podcast, and we found some really interesting things um, that happened after she listened to the podcast. That your mom um, doesn't even know about. That yeah, she no. ventured into her on her own, and we found it very interesting. So the last podcast, we probably spent an hour and a half afterwards just yeah. talking, and that's why she's back here today, um, because Taylor has a lot of avenues that we would like to go down. The medium one is very interesting to us. It is. Um, and it's to her, and we really, really enjoyed it, and we may have uncovered something. So I, I'm just I definitely gonna leave, think we did. <laughs> I'm going to leave that as a cliffhanger for the next one because Taylor's definitely going to come back, and that whole podcast is going to be on the medium, um, what our podcast did for Taylor, and what she did is quite interesting. And the puzzle that we were trying to put together, I'm dying to know if it actually made sense because the, it was four of us. It was Erica, Taylor, Austin, and myself. And it really got deep. 
It was until just we like, were laughing oh my and gosh. and Taylor it all had clicked. a yeah Taylor had an aha moment <laughs> and she was going to go back and do some research. So we definitely are going to get back to that um, podcast. We're going to do that on a different one because we're probably yeah, at we're our probably length for right I now. I talked a lot. No, no, it was very good. Like Austin said, this whole podcast was really good. There's so many people out there who are in a situation right now who have loved ones that are either alcoholics addicted to substance abuse or whatever that don't say anything, you know, that just remove themselves from the situation and their loved ones. And then all of a sudden they pass and it's like, what do I do now? Like you said, time is everything. And I think that the listeners like to hear, like there's so many different stories for people to tell and people to learn from. And if I can just add, absolutely. What I've learned is like it's it's not your fault. No matter how much you might think it is, and you can you can find excuses to say no, but this is why it is. It's definitely not. It's don't put all of that on yourself because it's in the end, it's not worth it. You'll you'll eat yourself alive trying to figure out what you did and why the things that happened happened, and it's just, it's not worth venturing down because it's not it's not true. It's not you. It's not necessarily them. I would also like to to say that I know you've been talking about your dad. So you, you grew up with him drinking all the time, if I'm yeah, all correct. The time. I don't think I've seen my dad sober. So from what I see, like even with the people today in this world, they, they always see the the person they see is the person drinking. But the person underneath that, they don't really think about. The person that's underneath that problem. Mm-hmm. Where did their problem start? You know what I'm saying? Like, why did they start drinking? What caused that to happen to allow them to get in that rut? So a lot of the times we see people that drink that are alcoholics or drug users, and we think about that, and that's the only thing we see. But there's a person below all that. There's there's somebody else underneath that. And it's, it's just what, what caused them to take that route? Yeah. And kind that of. applies to everybody. I mean, every, you go down the street and you see – a homeless person or whatever, I always look at, they're just like me and you. Yeah. yeah. Like, they, there's a person underneath there that we don't even know, that we don't even know their story. Yep. I mean, it all comes down to judgment, and you look at people, and you have to realize, like, I always look at it like they have a mom and dad. You know, when I see, I, I help with the homeless on Saturdays and Sundays, and when I look at the young people in this line waiting for for lunch, like, where's their mom and dad like or you know when i see the vets and that's a whole other podcast we're going to talk about as well but to austin's point there's a side of them that none of us know yeah you might see that same person in a bar they go home they're a different person Mm -hmm. you know hopefully they're a different person you know they go to work every day and they're a different person you know the people their coworkers might not know who they come or who they become you know after 9 p.m but everyone, everyone does have a story and everyone has something that's affected them positively or negatively that has got them to whatever they do when they get off work to the job that they have. You know, there's, there's so many different components that make, there's so many different things that made me who I am today, made you who you are today. And understanding those, it's a lot and it's hard, but I think in order to fully, to fully understand someone and to fully know a person you have to fully get to know that person if that makes any sense literally be in their shoes yeah like you have to and i've always tried to do that i've always tried to put myself in that other person's shoes or think like 
all right, they're having a bad day today. This is probably how they're feeling. So I'm not going to, who am I to say, you know, that they can't be in a bad mood today. Like, it's just. I'm willing to bet that your mom doesn't know everything about you. Oh, absolutely not. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) She's my my best friend and absolutely not. Nobody ever knows exactly who you are. hundred percent. Oh no. I listen to this crime podcast and one of their main things is you never truly know anybody. You don't. If you think about it. And so, that's what, scary. What gives you I right, know. What gives you the right, that's the whole thing. What gives you the right to point the finger and judge? You don't. It's called silencing stigma. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a pleasure. Um, I appreciate you coming. And like I said, she will be back for sure. The medium one is um, really interesting. We chose this podcast today, but we will touch base again. Uh, Tammy was nervous when she came. It wasn't so bad, right? It wasn't. It's it wasn't. pretty awesome. People that come get nervous, and really afterwards, everybody's like, "Oh, it wasn't really anything." Yep. Like it's we're just every yeah, we're just everyday people, and it's it's funny. And we talked about this before. People are like, "Oh, you do that podcast? Like, what does that mean?" And I'm not famous. Um, Austin's not famous. <laughs> I might be more famous than him now. On TikTok. <laughs> Yeah. I haven't done one for a while. Is he on I don't, I don't have TikTok. I just I see the know. ones that are posted. That, that's all the ones I see. So, but yeah, no, we appreciate it. And if if we can help or any of these listeners out here um, have any questions, um, Taylor's available. She was available. Where can they find you? Um, where can they find um, you? Facebook. Okay. Um, my last name is Mackenzie on Facebook. It's okay. M C K. You have Instagram. I do have Instagram or... also, but. Facebook. No TikTok. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, no TikTok. <laughs> Facebook's the bet to, to okay. contact me. Awesome. And obviously they can comment on our page. Austin started sharing comments that were coming. Um, and we appreciate you, Taylor, because you came to us and said, you listen, you sent our podcast to several people and asked them to listen. So we appreciate that. And I can honestly say that I believe all of us sitting at this table have learned something, whether it's tonight or through the podcast that we, that we've been doing. So yeah. thank you. I agree. You're yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, you know where to find us. Famous uh, apps on uh, <laughs> your, your phone, wherever you want to find us. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, catch you on the next one. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye.